there's an interesting lesson here, I think, about realism, that realism doesn't just have to do with the, with the senses in that, in that way, right? It, it, it's also, there's something relational, it's how you relate to I, it. I um, want to, well, I'm, hmm. having, I'm actually having a different realization. Ah, right. Well, just because you mentioned senses, I am having a realization about sensory awareness in this. And uh, it's all like, so, you know, if you're talking about writing, mm. there's a very common phrase, I'm sure you've heard, where it says, show, don't tell. Ah, yeah. Are you familiar with that, all that, that, what that means? I think, yeah, like, like um, sort of. Instead of like jumping exposition of like, oh, funny, when I was, you know, my, um, yeah, I, I was really upset about the loss of my parents, so I became a superhero to kill the Joker. Yeah. You know, like, don't tell me that. Like, show it. Like, let me feel that emotional, go on that emotional ride. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or when you encounter this person, if I see you react in such a way, then I already infer a lot of this backstory and whatnot, whatnot. So that's what, in writing, show, don't tell means. Um but I almost feel like what we're hitting at here in a weird way with this, this gaming reality, the digital reality and, and all this sort of stuff is tell, don't show, <laughs> you know, like, uh-huh. Right. The, 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 like the modern games tell and don't show. Yeah. 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 There's something to think about that. Um, it makes me think of something we were talking about last time in regards to sync videos as well, of how there is a way in which a sync video can become very powerful if you show and don't tell, right? If you don't like mathematically outline every single sync mm, that you want to share. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is something like powerful if the if the if the sync video is like an old pixelated video game right if it's not entirely high fidelity (laughs) in regards to what you were i don't know what was in your head um i'm also thinking of like the 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 instruction manual i find it fascinating how then the, the the importance of the manual gained like it gained potency in later games, I think. I haven't played uh, the, the, the game you mentioned, uh, the first Metal Gear Solid, but I am, I'm, I've seen people play it, and I remember that there was information in the manual and in the actual box for the game that was crucial for the game. There was like this sort of breaking of the fourth wall thing where there were certain oh. things... Like a do- here's your confidential dossier yes. from yeah exactly and you so that the game on the screen requires the cardboard box and the manual mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as as a part it it's like it's an object within the game almost but you're holding it in your hands like this sort of thing um, yeah uh, and I don't remember that in. Um, in uh, Metal Gear, I, tr- I trust your, your memory. I just to say, I don't, I don't remember that, but I have a very vivid memory uh, from this other game. What was that? I um, okay, so this was for original Nintendo, and it was either 
I think it might have been this game called Star Tropics. I don't know if you know that okay. game at all. Um, yes. I think that might have been it. But regardless, it was this game where it's exactly what you're talking about, where like, do you have, here's your instruction booklet, here's your this, here's your that. Well, get this. Inside this box was like a blank piece of paper. Mm. All right. And it was just like, you know, here's like five different things in this packaging. And one of which was just like a blank piece of paper. And me and my brother threw it out. Oh, this is just <laughs> like a piece of paper in this box. Blah, blah, throw it out. And it wasn't until you were like three quarters of the way through the book, the, through the game, that they're like, hey, that paper that we gave you, um, put, you know, wet it with a sponge and it'll reveal a hidden message. Oh, my God. And we're like, fuck, we threw this shit out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, uh, <laughs> fuck. That's just fun. Like, you oh, know, that. that was, you know, in a way that's like so revolutionary that these people did that. But um, mm. my experience of it as a child was like, it went right in my head right away. Like, what is this? Okay, we don't need this. <laughs> oh, man. Yes, I love that. It's also some of the stuff we've been talking about. It, 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 it's making me think of psychedelics and Terence McKenna in some way, because mm. like you were saying, the manual is kind of preparing you for the experience. It's kind of like getting you in the right zone, in the right set and setting for it to not be too confusing. Because otherwise... Sure, yeah, I like that. I like that. It's like in a lot of these games... Even just the controls, like how to use the buttons, isn't explained in the game. You need to read the manual. So if you were to turn the game on without reading the manual, without knowing anything about the game, it could be just a kind of chaotic, confusing experience. Like you say, you need to sort of like oil the wheels of your mind. You sort of like grease your mind so that it flows with that game you need to get into that space before you go into the experience almost <laughs> it's like a sort of um initiatory like shamanic um thing about that i think you're going into a pretty traumatic weird place full of enemies and stuff that you don't understand <laughs> and it's all kind of like blocky and pixely um very alien compared to i don't know so yeah I just dropped. Uh, I just dropped oh. in the chat here. This is the original Zelda booklet, right? And it says here, "Please read this instruction booklet to ensure proper handling of your new game, and then save the booklet for future reference." And there's just something, you know, s s simple in there. But um, at, have you read, um, or, or are you familiar with uh, the psychedelic experience, like uh, Timothy Leary, Ram Dass, uh, Richard Alpert? Uh, basically, uh, based off the Tibetan Book yeah. of the Dead. I remember listening to an audiobook version of that a long cool. time ago. <laughs> but basically, can't... that was their the what you oh, described right. of like, hey, you read this thing and it prepares you for this state. That mm. was basically how they envisioned the the whole. They're like, hey, this Tibetan Book of the Dead is literally that. So it's like you read these things to prepare you for this bardo state, this death state, and 
this you could read the same thing to prepare you for the psychedelic experience so it's literally like that is the the game guide or whatever of like oh and when this happens do this i mean this it's as literal yeah. as like there are parts of the tibetan book of the dead where it's like and then if you see like a blue light with these demons floating around it that's good you know avoid that but go towards yes. <laughs> this thing that looks like this and it's, it's literally like describing here here are the enemies to fight in this room and <laughs> yeah it's that's really funny because i think that's probably my initial interest in in psychedelics was definitely came from my love of video games like my interest in lucid dreams and psychedelics and anything that has to do with with entering into another kind of sensory experience another sort of world like uh and so vice versa you could also almost say that you could sort of backtrack that thought and say that maybe there is a, a way in which an interest in video games is also an interest in in dreams or in 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 an, an interest in like that even as a kid maybe you're drawn to the experience of immersing yourself into a vision that is different from the from the material vision you're having at the moment something something very kind of primal like that uh it it, it wakes that up um yeah it's interesting these this manual's this manual is amazing really all these sort of cinematic drawings to represent oh, yeah pixelated stuff <laughs> it's also i forgot they did this where they put the drawing and the pixels next to each other i totally forgot that uh-huh so um i i just remembered the drawings but it's like literally like hey this is this is what a you know a, a heart container looks like so when you see this icon that's what that is just so you know like look at these like rubies there's like here's a drawing of like a gemstone and then it's like hey you know this yeah. <laughs> i don't know yeah, it's just yeah. so um <laughs> yeah there's it's really interesting how this is has these side by side comparisons of again like it's um like a a, a key in the sense of like um you know table of correspondences like like on a on a map oh if you see this that means it's the capital city right it's like mm -hmm. that kind of like legend or key which is mm -hmm. funny we're talking about the legend of zelda and he's got all these keys like this that's <laughs> maybe like silly puns but there's something there where it's like all this kind of language mm -hmm. um is in the swims in the same territory yeah well it's funny now you mention that because a lot of these games a lot of these original nintendo games are maps basically right it's it's a map you can move around the map but it, it it's organized as a map like you can print it out on a piece of paper like the the, the game itself is is a map you're you're, re you're reading the map by walking through it um precise yeah, yeah something <laughs> the, in the in the game world the map is the territory 
<laughs> right, right. Yeah. And then, like, there's this image at the beginning of the manual, which seems to be like a, a model, like a papier-mâché kind of, like, clay model of the map. Isn't that beautiful? I love this kind of stuff. And I love, like, Nintendo seems to do this a lot. And that is, is it, it also kind of, like, it's so strange because then... This is what makes the experience so strange, I think. So here's the thing, because as a kid, you're having to take all this in, where you being shown a 3D kind of model version of the game that you're going to play. You're also being shown a 2D um, fantasy art version of that world in, <laughs> yeah. in the drawing. And then you're also being shown the simplified pixel version that you're playing. So you're already aware, you're doing a weird sort of sync thing in your head mm -hmm. where, where you're having to triangulate an abstraction from that because you know that that all of these things represent this world you, you, you it somehow it it kind of like pushes you towards feeling that that the world they're talking about is something numinous that sits between all of these different representations of it or something because of the because there are so many representations of it you can tell that it sits between these things or something and uh, and uh, yeah there's something kind of a uh, mm, yeah i don't know there's something interesting about that uh yeah yeah, this is so interesting. Like, to to think of it in those terms, because yeah, I, as soon as you said the 3D map, and then I'm like, oh yeah, I get it. That there's there's literally multiple, and and, and there's I mean there's literally more than that. You know, like here's like here's a map within a map of the labyrinth, for example, right? Where you're getting like that yellowed paper with the black dots, and you know, if you look at page 33 of this Zelda booklet. Oh, right. Right. So, like, yes. And then here's, <laughs> then they've given you a different map on page uh, 43. You know, mm -hmm. so it's like all these different, um, yeah, just like it, it really speaks to me in that, you know, Crowleyan table correspondences, all like this equals this equals this equals this equals this. And by, giving yeah. you all these different representations of the same thing, it feels so real because it's like, oh, I get it. Yeah, this is, these, these in, a, in a way, these are all representations. Instead of like one being the real, they are all signifiers. The clay model at the very beginning is a signifier. The fantasy drawing is a signifier. The pixel art is a signifier. The maps are everything is a signifier. The only thing that is signified is this imaginal realm that exists in your in your head. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's it's amazing how it does that. Yeah, and it's funny because um, like like then it 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 gets so weird as well because when you start looking at, at video games 
from that era, Nintendo games from that era, a lot of them, in my mind, seem to have very similar kind of themes, um, kind of classic fairy tale sort of themes, but like, a lot, like I'm looking at, it's a different era, but I'm looking at Mario 64 a lot at the moment, and it seems to all be about the sort of like Europe. Well, it, it, to begin with, in a lot of these games, you're collecting go shiny golden things, right? You're collecting shiny golden things, and you are totally, yeah. You're facing some sort of a beast at the end of it, and you're climbing up a mountain, and so at the end, it almost seems as if the Legend of Zelda and Mario and Metroid, they are all like also signifiers of something that stands in between them kind of thing, almost as if um, it, it, the whole Nintendo thing from that era to me all really feels very, and very of this nature. Um, yeah, and it's interesting, especially when you consider, like you were saying before, about the actual limitations of the software and stuff like that, like that, that in a sense, you know, you collect golden things because that was sort of, you know, that's just one of the easy kind of games to program, I guess, or like, like there's sort of, there are ways in which the, the mythological content is kind of um, a part of the material limitations of the of the game um right it has to be a shiny object so that it stands out from everything else on the screen mm, right like mm. what is again it's, it has to be iconic oh here's a thing that i recognize as this is different from it's not a bad guy it's not structural like landscape this right. is something <laughs> different oh of course shiny gold yellow thing it's like uh, it's primal, right? It's like oh, I, I I can I can easily pick that out. Um, so as you say, that's like almost built into the mechanics of how you would just classic limitations of almost like what you have to make. And then how does that play into the mythology you mentioned, like uh, the, the the questing for the gold and fighting the beast? And it reminds me of this, you know, classic like um, not just knight fighting a dragon but the the symbolism of that of like what is what does that mean for the the knight to take on a part of that beast to become to become part of the dragon or to um mm. the the dragon like hoarding his gold and all these sorts of the metaphors uh but like the alchemical imagery the mythological metaphors that are just built into all that sort of stuff. Um, mm, mm, I have mm. watched a watched a documentary about some guys who designed games for Atari. Uh, mm. I think I watched two different documentaries about um, like early days of Atari. And what was interesting about that was that the at that point the games were being designed by the software engineers so like you you were building a game from scratch so you know but right. like even like your graphics were done with code 
<laughs> you know, your yeah. uh, every everything was like it's different where now you could have an artist draw you know, draw your even your sprites, you know, you're if you're in the state of once you get to say Nintendo and you go like, all right, we have somebody who designs all the characters and they do the artwork and somebody else will do the programming and blah blah blah. But for Atari it was literally the the characters were designed in the code. Everything was designed by basically one guy. <laughs> and so in a way, maybe these classic like tropes if you will make sense of oh shit okay i need to like what you know what do i make this world about what what is what is the point of this game you know and so you sort of have these classic adventure stories um again maybe these are we can explain how this happens but what it means to be playing these the hero's journey, if you will, or these, you know, different things. Like, fucking, I love, in this Zelda booklet, uh, I forgot they literally refer to it. Um, sorry if I can find it again. Page 18, right? Here's uh-huh. the... Link yep. meets all sorts of challenges above and underground. And it always says, the overworld, the underworld. This is, you know, these are the different spaces yeah. though the light and the dark these are these are what these look like in these different spaces i mean it's just like it's so potent mm. um yeah it's it's just fascinating yeah. and like i'm kind of speculating here but it's like i um i actually like at the moment my 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 i work as a translator and uh and i i'm for a while, I've been translating video games actually uh, recently. Wow. And okay. In uh, multiple languages, or I mostly from Japanese into Spanish actually. Wow. Okay. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, and and it's it's um I mean yeah I, I've really I've really enjoyed it because it's it's I've actually translated a lot of manuals for old games like this like when they're they're being like digitized and and turned into phone games and stuff like that. And, and so they, they, anyway, so, so I've been, I've been sort of looking at a lot of old arcade game manuals and stuff. Wow. Okay. And it's, it's really, I'm not sure what the process is, but I get the feeling that a lot of these games back in the day and today as well, they are made really sort of un- with a with a tight deadline and 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 that stuff like the manual i think doesn't actually get that much time um put into it and that's my impression i may be completely wrong here but i i find that very interesting because i always, I, I get the feeling that um, what is written in these manuals all of this description of the enemies and stuff is probably like written by a group of people in a very short period of time. <laughs> I think, I, I may be wrong, but I, I feel as if, if that were the case, it would be really interesting because it seems as if it's, the, it's like there is something almost like automatic writing about it. It's this sort of, the first thing that comes to mind almost. Like I'm, I'm, I'm sort of reading descriptions of enemies or something. Um, 
this enemy called Zola, half fish, half woman who lives in the water. I don't know when she, when she sticks her head out of the water. Like I, there's sort of things that it's as if ma many elements of the of the of the manual um, seem to me to be like automatic writing, like just the, something that mm -hmm. just spurts out from the collective unconscious of the group of people who are involved in the game. Um, and so it, there's a lot of like insights I find in these manuals into what these places and objects mm, meant to the people making them. Like it becomes clear that, oh, this enemy is, it's supposed to be a scary enemy because that's how they are writing about this enemy is, you know, how scary it is. Or this enemy is supposed to be cute because of how they're writing about it. And, and this thing about the underworld, the overworld, it all kind of, when you read the whole manual together, it very often constellates, especially under some sort of like a, in a sync kind of perspective, you, you start to see sort of weird patterns between things that, um, that seem to be due to how collectively these things are made and how quickly i don't know i don't know well uh, i know uh, i know just a little bit about mm. the history of the zelda in particular mm. and i'm no i'm no like uh, i i i don't i'm not like very well versed in this so um keep that in mind but i am aware that mm. the original game designer re like really didn't want to explain much of anything um he want his whole point for zelda was um i remember reading something where he says um he when he was a kid he would just like go out and explore in the woods by himself and he wanted that experience that was the experience he wanted to create for people is you just go out and you kind of get lost and you find your way around and you'll figure it out mm. and he mm. really didn't want to explain he didn't want a map he didn't want an explanation he didn't want anything uh all that sort of stuff and nice i know i don't know how it was released in japan if he got to you know like how more sort of minimalized it was released there um but i have to i do know that the american audience was terrified of like the the, the american distribute distribution people were like i don't think we could just give people this game and like that's not gonna work you know mm. um so a lot of what you and i are really appreciating here is almost like the American distribution guy is being like, well, this needs to be dumbed down for American. Uh, and it's like, it, that's that. I don't think it was meant in that way necessarily, but they just knew like, it would be a lot easier for them to yeah. market. Here's a game. Like we'll, we'll explain to you how to play. So as I'm like looking through this booklet and it's like, I mean, it's literally saying like, press the right button and you can scroll to the next screen, <laughs> you know, like, it gets yeah. as 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 simple as that, um, <laughs> but I don't know. There's right. something there's something really interesting about 
Oh, so I'm, we're trying to speculate here what the process is of how these books are made, and it's like, so it's someone's job to take this game that's, at, I assume at that point, is probably finished, mm. and now they want to release it in America, and they're like, well, how do we, how much do we have to explain to people? So there was something I saw, um, okay, page 31, and right. it says, um, caves are not the only places you can see. What was that you said? I looked for the caves in every nook and corner, but I couldn't find them anywhere. Well, you know, they're not the only places you can see. Link just might be able to pass through the pathways he hasn't been able to get through by using something else. Get the gist? And it's like implying like there's this mystery, there's whatever. But even the drawing there is showing him going through grass. So they're like, how do we explain to people that like you should maybe try like burning the grass? <laughs> you know, like, we'll give him a picture of Blink in the grass and say, like, try something else. You know, it's like, hint, hint. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Even, even, like, yeah, I love this. It's as if, uh, even in the manual, that they're, they're trying to keep these sort of layers of mystery. It's explained, but it's still, you the manual is a game you have to the manual itself is a puzzle game that you need to solve <laughs> somehow like you need to solve the like the correspondence between the image of the grass and the text in order to solve yeah. the the mysteries in the game itself um I mean, it literally says, like, on almost every page 29, it says, at that little red stripe at the bottom, mm. uh, the water of life is a medicine that can beat anything to those who don't have the right. You have to find that out yourselves. Good luck. And then page 30, uh, in order to show your credentials, you have to, oh, I'm sorry, page 31, um, about fairies. Fairies in the springs give Link extra life. You can find them at the dot, dot, dot. Sorry, that's also a secret. It's like all these attempts to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's. That's weird. I, I, I think this is what I find so fascinating about um, approaching video games with the same kind of perspective that that sync blogging has approached movies because when you're looking at a movie you you're looking at a different data set it's because the movie is this linear exposition of images like you start at the beginning of the movie and then you end at the end of the movie but in a game like zelda you could you can go up you can go down you can go left you can go right there's there's like a a non-linearity to to it that that makes the it's kind of like you were saying about the the developer of the game right that it it's it's a different kind of walk in the woods um from movie sync in some way you you i don't know it's just it, yeah it's it's a different data set <laughs> i guess it's uh So okay, so can you are you are you comfortable talking about your job a little bit more? I'm really curious. Yeah. Um, if it's nothing secret, I'd love to hear like 
what does that entail and what kind of projects you do? Yeah, um, sadly, like, it's not like I have done some games that I thought were interesting. Like, basically, um, I, and it's not like it's me and like a, and a, a big sort of team of, of translators. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I work freelance. So I, I've been, I've worked for these people and I've also worked for like other agencies. And um, we've done all sorts of stuff from like indie games to re-releases of old arcade games to actual sort of, I've, I've, I've worked on a few modern Switch and PlayStation 4 things. Um, but, and, and yeah, it's been really interesting seeing all these different uh, formats of, because sometimes you're, you're translating the manual, but sometimes you're actually translating in-game text and in-game dialogue. You, you realize that a game, when a game is printed out as a, as a text sheet, it's a really bizarre thing because you're constantly like jumping from intelligible dialogue to just blunt kind of like press left press right kind of things like the, the the amount of text in the game is it fluidly shifts from human kind of communication to like machine-like commands and uh this, there's a weird sort of poetry <laughs> to that i think um but sadly i have mostly been translating phone games recently and i'm a little sort of annoyed about that because when you translate phone games nowadays, you realize that they are just ridiculous sort of money-making objects. Like everything in phone games now, as far as I can tell, is like a slot machine. You kind of, maybe the phone is, maybe the game is free. You can download it for free in the app store, but then the whole game seems to be this is a kind of a change of topic but it's like the whole uh, phone game seem to be designed around like maybe you find a golden chest and it's got this amazing object in it but in order to use it you need this other object but in order to use that other object you need to access the store and pay for it or something and it, it all kind of the, the game has this it has the same kind of image on the outside as a zelda game or anything like that but because the game is free in the App Store, it needs to make its money through the user paying for objects. So the whole game nowadays... In-app purchases, right? Right, and it, it's so weird to see how games have like morphed into... It needs to be an, an, advertis, an advertisement of itself. The, the, the mm. game itself is selling itself in real time as you are playing it. Mm. In, in the in the case of Zelda, in this game, you pay for the game once, and that's it. The, the the game doesn't need to worry about about making you pay for stuff. Like, um, it's weird how the the whole kind of um model of phone games sort of squeezes games into it turns a game into an ad. I don't know. That's just I'm kind of like angry about that at the moment because I'm having to translate this kind of stuff. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that, that's sort of a, a bit of what I've been doing. Yeah. 
but it's it's fascinating. Yeah, seeing all of this. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine like the whole like phone. So, um, just a um, I. I don't think I told you this. Maybe mm. I told you this last time, but I, I don't think so. So um, I had recently, you know, a few months ago, um, I got this, like, really clear sort of, like, I don't know how else to describe it, like, download of an idea mm. of, like, I saw this game, like, in my mind, I see this fully fleshed out game. And I was like, I was kind of like, after I'd played some games, and okay, I played this, I played this, played this, and then I would find myself looking for like, what's something I would like to play? And I just couldn't find something. Found a lot of games that were kind of close, so similar, but I found I was really craving a very specific experience. Mm. And like, I can fully articulate what that experience is, you know? Um, <laughs> so anyway, I got this, like, full form, fully-fledged, fully-formed download of this is the game that I want to play. And I, mm. you know, just picture it, and I've done a bunch of drawings, and I've done all these different stuff, and I started looking into, like, what does it take to build such a thing? So I downloaded the... Unity software, if you're familiar with that. Yeah. Um, it's basically the gaming engine. And so it, you know, you, it works somewhat like, a, like my video editing software. I feel like, okay, I, there are things that I can, that are my experience with editing audio and editing video and all this sort of stuff that seems really clear to me. Like, oh, I know... I know how I can do a lot of this stuff. Just like jumping in, I feel like I have a certain advantage there. But then everything else is code, which I don't fucking know. And I'm yeah. just like, I'm struggling with like, how do I learn all this this coding and whatever? So I joined a few um, different like Unity forums and things like that to see, uh, just, you know, like learn a little bit more. And I keep seeing all these people being like, why don't you just make it for a phone? Like, why don't you make it a phone app or whatever? And it's like, I would never want to play a game on my phone. <laughs> like, that just sounds so... I, I I don't know. Like, again, like, I just... That sounds so unappealing to me. I mean, there's... I, I, I take, take that back. There's, like, something very simplistic, sure. Um, if it's, like, a puzzles or something, you know? That that would probably be fine on on my phone. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I don't. Even in all this experience of like what again for me of like realizing what do I actually like about the experience of playing games. The has been a very revealing like to me again just like literally like realizing as I play oh I do like this oh I don't like this you know. Um, just every, every game I play as I'm experiencing it, I'm kind of analyzing what, what about this aspect is enjoyable? What about this aspect is not like, why don't, why this game looks like I should really like it. Why don't I, what is the, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
So um, interesting, yeah. I keep having that experience, and the idea of like sitting on my phone and trying to do something just sounds so unappealing to me. Yeah, I guess I haven't. Yeah, I, I I've never played really. Like I've played, I know what games on phones like feel like and look like, but I've never like, I've never really delved into that world. And I agree. I think that I would be interested to find a game that used the phone in an interesting way that was particular to the phone, like you said, because otherwise, I don't know. I I, I guess I, I, I haven't sort of, I find there's probably an in, there's an interesting potential there, but I haven't really sort of d- dived too deep into what it could be. Um, I would still prefer to just play it on my yeah my computer or something. But um, but it's a weird weird machine. Definitely, I think it it, it could be something. So you said by playing on your computer, do you have like Steam or? Um, well, that's the thing. Recently, I haven't really been playing much. The The latest games I've played have all been sort of purchased from this site called Good Old Games, um, GOG. And it's all just, it's just old games. It's just old PC games, um, like old, old adventure games like Myst and stuff like that. I've, um, and where did you find this? It's this website called GOG.com. GOG. Oh, okay. Wow. Like Gog and Magog? Okay. Gog and... Oh, do you not know what that is? I... No. Looking Gog around. and Magog. G-O-G. Like George, Orange George? Yes. Um, yeah. That is... Um... Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they are biblical figures, and um, they were the, um, I think those were like the CIA code names for uh, George Bush Sr. and George Bush Jr. <laughs> oh, right. Um, wow. A- anywho, like... sorry. Okay. So um, please, please go on. Sorry. Oh, no. So basically, just like it seems as if. I'm doomed to play old games like that sort of <laughs> if I, uh, the, I've, I've, the last games I've been playing have been like 90s graphic adventure games basically and that, that was a while ago um, but uh, I've, it's funny I, I also tried learning to make a game and I, I I agree that the programming was my main problem I I I tried RPG Maker, <laughs> which seemed to just um, allow for that this sort of like Zelda style game. Um, but uh, what was that experience like to use one of those? Because I, I looked at those and I was like, I, I just felt like that was too specific. Mm. But yeah, I've 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 seen a lot of stuff like that or. Now there's like Mario Maker, and there's now there's like a Mega Man Maker, and all that sort of yeah. stuff. So, well, yeah, I I realize 
because I only made I made a short little like test game. I can I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, it's five sort of just a five minute long kind of thing. And I realized that I spent the entire process trying to overcome the limitations of the program. <laughs> like because like you say, it's as if there is a desire to make something that that isn't that type of RPG. Um, it was interesting to, to try to make that with something with a tool that is designed specifically to make that, like use a tool that's specifically for a type of game and then try to make something that isn't that type of game exactly. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I would I would love to yeah to, to be able to bring ideas like that into into focus. I mean I I've I've always thought like this is um a conversation we've had with Jordan Barty a lot is it would be cool to make sync instead of sync videos make sync uh, games or sync sort of like environments if you could create like a 3d environment that you can walk in like a sort of virtual temple almost and in each room of this temple there are like objects pertaining to like back to the future or objects mm -hmm. pertaining to like different movies and then the act the very process of playing the game would walk you through a sort of initiatory kind of like it's sort of like a sort of the sort of typical sort of temple mystery kind of thing where you're walking through the temple seeing these weird instead of instead of exposing correspondences in a youtube video show them in a in a virtual environment that you can actually play in and interact in like that would be really cool <laughs> almost yeah almost like walk that's cool shit like walking them through hey this is mm. first you collect the the wire yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever right right exactly something, something now you're weird. tightrope walking across the twin towers wow yeah exactly that'd be interesting to yeah <laughs> Wow, that's a great idea. Um, yeah. I had thought about making a... Um, so I, I had made years ago a really simple... Almost like a choose-your-own-adventure um, HTML game. So nice. I made a series of like... I don't know, like a... Let's say like 150 different images with text. And then it's like each image gave you a choice of like this or this. And I, I make it so that you can have just these branching pathways of like if you decide this then it takes you to this next part of the story and whatever right nice. and um made some of that years ago and um i had thought about doing something like that with sync stuff um but yeah that's that's a that's a really cool idea um we, some one of us is going to have to learn fucking code. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's the problem. That is, <laughs> I feel as if um, these are sort of ideas that that require. It's yeah, it's so frustrating. Um, it's 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 still yeah beyond me at the moment, <laughs> but. Uh, It'd be cool. There's this um. There's this Reddit community uh, called Game Arcane, like a okay. pun on arcade. 
and um they it's really cool that they've often sort of been talking about like it's sort of a it's a a community of people who are simultaneously interested in video games and like magic and any sort of like alchemy the occult stuff like that and there is constantly this sort of idea of it would be so cool to make to, yeah to, to make video games as as rituals almost that you the player sort of partakes in in some way that, that, that you the game itself mm. is a sort of you're touching the water element then you're going into the fire room and then you're entering into the 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 this other room that that unites like like this sort of weird kind of um a game that is maybe the game is conscious of itself as game almost it's conscious of itself as a as an experience that may have a a certain effect um, in the in the psyche and the environment of the of the player somehow I don't know so anyway yeah there's a there's stuff stuff there's a stuff to to to, to think about <laughs> in that kind of area yeah 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 I I mean so just to right, well, say I yes my my uh, plan here mm-hmm. is that um, I'm gonna make this fifth episode of uh, hindsight 2020 mm. and then i mean the next project i really want like that's you know this is hindsight 2020 is taking me like a, a year to make um i started i mean not only is like the planning yeah I've, I've been working on that almost exactly a year now <laughs> um wow and uh and i'm not done with it so yeah. <laughs> my plan is then once that is done and out um, is to probably take another year and try and learn code and trying to work on this video game is literally the next thing I want to do after I finish the series. Um, well, what, what, like, do you, do you have, what's the idea for this video game? Or is it still sort of like just a, a, a under wraps kind of? Oh, uh, so okay, so let's uh, let's quickly, yeah, that reminds me. Let's shift gears here. I just, and just to say, like for this video game, I, I, it's for me, it's this is not about making money off that. I just want to quickly say, it's like it was more like I pro. I don't know what it would cost to hire somebody as a programmer. I imagine it's more money than I have, right? So that's yeah, all I imagine. Yeah. It's like I would, ra- I would like I would raise money to give to someone else, <laughs> basically. Yeah, right. Like, hey, I no, need I-, I need this task. I want to <laughs> hire you. You guys give me money so I can hire this guy. Absolutely um, no, and I think like um, that's that's one of the things I like about these kinds of kickstarters and patreons and stuff like that is that it it's yeah you you can it's it's so nice to see that it's a way of raising the means to make the thing itself right like it's it's that's that's cool to me because it it's it's about materializing the object it's it's it it's not so much about the money that is going to be made from the game, but uh, just the very act of making it possible. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I, I have a job. I don't, 
this is not this is not like a career for me. This is like mm -hmm. some weird thing that happened. <laughs> you know, it's like literally an idea that came to me that I feel like I need to make. Mm -hmm. Um but okay, so you you messaged me the other day about like saying something about Patreon and YouTube and all this sort of stuff. And mm -hmm. I just want to say like we've talked about it over the years and there have been times where we've done little things like we have a few like random episodes of 42 minutes or something on YouTube and we you know mm, um yeah I just want to say if this was something you uh, you could even mm -hmm. I I think if you were to do it this is just a few things I want to say yeah. one is that the, you might have to clip out like the beginning and ends of things where there's music for like copyright for YouTube. Yeah, I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like for a lot of those older episodes have music uh, either on them or a few of them. Every now and then, there's something that has music like in the middle. Mm -hmm. But for the most for the most part, it's you know it's uh... anyway that would that would be something you'd probably want to keep an eye out for. Mm. I think it might be worth trying to start a new YouTube channel. Like yes. maybe just an always record what is what it is. Um, and if you want to do that work and you can get it so that you're not getting copyright flags, if there was a way to monetize it, mm -hmm. I, you, you can keep that money. Like, if you do that work that you want to upload those things and there's a way for you to profit off it, go right ahead. Cause I don't, I don't have a way to like pay you for mm -hmm. your time to upload all those things. But if you can monetize that YouTube channel and make something, fuck yeah, go for it. Oh, um, well, I mean, I was like, um, thank you. I mean, on, honestly, I, I was thinking more of like, I'd feel bad if, you know, putting all of this content onto YouTube uh, for free sort of kind of undermines the, the 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 project that is already in place in the website. You know, the the the. No, the... no, not at all. So, like, I took the paywall down. I don't know, two years ago maybe a little more um i have no intention of putting it back up like i i never want it's a longer story but i never wanted a paywall mm. um and that caused a lot more grief than it was worth like just like having to having them you know obviously it would be nice to have so when when we had it what was really nice was that I no longer had to invest my own money into the website. Cause like that website costs money just to run. Just like we, we have private servers and all these, there's just, I don't know, uh, probably about 60, 70, I would say about 125 bucks a month just to, have the site just to run the site as it is um it used to cost us 200 and something a month because there was a point that i was paying somebody uh i don't know if you know guillaume i was paying guillaume and when i mean 
good money. I was paying him a hundred dollars a month just to like be a webmaster. And if something did break to be on call, Hey man, this needs fixed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't, I didn't have a lot of money to give him, but like that was, I used to pay that out of my own pocket. And then there was a point once he had the paywall that the site paid for itself. And that was really, really nice that the site was paying for itself. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just, it's so much trouble and there's just so much bullshit that came from it. Once you involve money, everyone got like, suddenly everyone's like, Oh, well, who's making this money? And I'm like, no one's making the money. It's fucking paying for the site. You know, like it's the, the, yeah. the website is making the money to pay its own bills. And like, finally it's something off my back, but you know, everyone got really weird of like, Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe you're like, maybe you're making money off this stuff. And I'm like, no one was worried that I was paying money, but suddenly you're worried that I'm making money. And it just became like a hassle, man. It just became like, it was, it took the fun out of it. So I would rather, I have no intention of ever putting that paywall back up. And, um, so yeah, that if you go to the website right now, every always record is already free. So if you put it on YouTube, cool. That's already free. Um, now, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had looked into... Oh, shit. Um, Andros had reached out to me a few months ago, and he found some service that for $20 a month, basically, it does, like, your distribution. So, like, again, when we started... None of this stuff was in place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, if you wanted to get on iTunes, even you had to write code just to get your thing onto iTunes, and it, the code had to be like approved by iTunes. Mm-hmm. And Guillaume wrote that for us, and we were able to get onto iTunes. Um, but even still, it's not like, it's not perfect that like we could appear in iTunes, but we're not like really searchable. I don't know. Like, again, it's just, it goes over my head and it was a pain in the ass and it was a lot of work to just get onto this one platform. And then suddenly there was like, um, different services, you know, whether that's SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, um, Stitcher, whatever, all these different podcast uh, distribution things. And we aren't on any of those. The only thing we're on technically is iTunes. Mm. So Andros found this thing that's for 20 bucks a month, you basically upload your stuff to them and they put it onto everything. So we could be on Spotify. We could be on all these things. Um. If you were going through the trouble of going through these old episodes and like mm-hmm. chopping out the music and stuff like that, yeah, I would gladly. And you're like, if you're just doing that for YouTube, and you got so basically, you would have in order to to get something on YouTube, you would have to download the MP3, chop off the front and back music, mm. maybe put the graphic on it and render it as a video, and then upload yep. that to YouTube, right? Now, in that step, suddenly you have an MP3 without music. Well, maybe if you're going to do that, 
I could then pay this company 20 bucks a month for the distribution and we start also uploading that same audio file to get it and we'll, you know, just try something like that um, where it's like, yeah. so you, you start a YouTube channel for Always Record, I'll try and start, I'll use that same MP, the, the chopped up MP3s you create and we'll try and get that on Spotify or something. Uh, I would I would totally pay for I have to look into what if there's more hidden costs or whatever, but it looked like it wasn't a huge financial thing. Um, I would totally pay for that. Um, cool. I mean, I because so I was thinking I'm sort of in in a not not exactly the same, but I'm in a similar situation in the sense that I I, I would feel. I would personally feel uncomfortable like getting money um, for this for for me. So I, I, I if if any money came from that, I I would I I think it would be a cool way to yeah to to pay precisely for these kind of costs right for the for the twenty bucks a month or for like website maintenance and stuff like that. But anyway, so this is something we could talk about, you know. In, in the future but like i i definitely like mm. and, and, and at the same time like i'm i also think it's it's a cool idea to like uh there's also the option of not monetizing the videos so that they don't have ads which is also like a, sure yeah well i cool. <laughs> I, I i just wanted to say like i said i i, I guess from a consumer, like for me listening to stuff, I would of course want things without ads and mm-hmm. all, I just wanted to offer that like that is mm-hmm. going to be a lot, if you actually do that, that's going to be a ton of work mm-hmm. and I wanted that like if you act, you know, like if there was a chance for you to make something off that, I just want you to know that I'm, I'm okay. I would not be offended if you put mm-hmm. an ad on it so you could make something for your time would not offend me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. if you're of the mindset that no ads is better of, of, yeah i mean obviously mm-hmm. who we all hate ads <laughs> right like yeah um so um just know that it's 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 out there for however you want to do it so if no one's like hey you should do it like this whatever you do is fine i've i would i know there are um there was somebody who uploaded a few episodes to mm-hmm. youtube a few years ago i know around like episode 75 i don't know why that stands out i think that was a like adam go rightly episode mm-hmm. um but i remember somewhere around like 75 to 100 there was a guy who had uploaded just a few on his youtube channel never say anything to me he was just uploading them to youtube and yeah. when i found them i wasn't mad like okay cool <laughs> You know, um, so yeah. um, it's really not like that. And like I said, all this stuff is, in a in a way, a lot of this I think archive is has collected dust, and you know, any any new life that anyone wants to breathe into it is, uh, you know, probably very much appreciated by all all parties involved. So no, that'd be uh, yeah. I I I. I it would be really exciting to see like i don't know yeah i'd be intrigued to see 
you know what what kind of comments it gets or like stuff like that yeah. i'm also sort of like wondering and obviously we can we can sort of look at this as it goes along the the finer kind of like aesthetic points of what to use as a channel banner image what to use as an avatar and stuff like that we'll, we'll i'll sort of we can message back and forth about that and stuff um it'd be nice to like make the channel look nice and, and stuff like that but anyway i'll i'll, I'll you know <laughs> that's sure. sort of i don't know that i have any more like so uh i very recently lost um um a hard drive an external hard drive that had most of my work over the last 10 oh, years shit. on it it just like just in the last month um oh that right. that hard drive is gone um i don't have the photoshop files for this these like the logo and stuff anymore but this i just sent you here like this is um you know you could feel free to use this logo if you need I have Photoshop, and if you need some stuff kind of like made to a certain size, I you tell me and I'll help you. I would totally do that. Like if it's like, hey, can you make a banner? It needs to be this size, or I need this. Tell me and I'll I'll totally help you out. Um, but this Ooh. is uh, probably yeah. the highest resolution version of that original logo that I have is actually on the website because everything else I have is gone. Wow, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of kind of crazy. Um I mean just to say like uh I should, I, I should probably get going here soon. I'm probably probably too, but um yes. just to say um I, yeah. I had this really weird experience where um so my, my cat got sick, right? And I kept like the quarantine shit happened and shortly into quarantine my cat got sick and i took and i was like i had this feeling that my cat's gonna die i take him to the vet and they're like oh no he's fine it's just an ear infection blah 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 I'm like it's fine and then like two weeks later i gotta take him back he's sick again and they're like oh well we think it's this other thing and I'm like, fuck, my cat's going to die. And they're like, no, it's this like really simple thing. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, we didn't notice that last time, but whatever. And this happened. I ended up taking my cat five times to the vet over the course of two months. And each time they were like, oh, yeah. we think it's, you know, no reason to worry. No reason to worry. No reason to worry. But like the whole time I was preparing myself that like, for this and like even like with quarantine and like the idea of like where it was everyone gonna die of coronavirus or it was just like i lost my fucking job like i lost my job in march of like well my bar is closed you are out of work like you cannot show up to work it is closed you know like so i lost my job i lost and like i i was like always and i felt like there was this overall theme of loss of like accepting and dealing with loss and oh, here's another thing. So, in this happens in one week. I'm supposed to. Was, they were supposed to reopen my bar the first time they were supposed to reopen my bar before the, the city ended up delaying because of coronavirus. But uh, when it was originally supposed to reopen, I don't know. That was like uh, 
May 15th, I think. Mm-hmm. And I go to work for one day for like a meeting. It wasn't like I mean a paid, wasn't like a paid work day or anything. It was like you go go for a meeting, like, hey, this is what it's gonna take. We're gonna open on Friday, blah, 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 blah. While I'm there, as I'm like leaving, I get a phone call from my partner that the stove caught on fire and she can't put the fire out and our kitchen's on fire. And I'm like, oh. fuck, right? And I'm racing home. And she's calling, you know, I'm like, all right, call fire department, call whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, and my whole, like, I'm just driving home like a maniac. And the whole way, I'm like, well, she's, she told me she's outside. She got two of our pets out. Hmm. Only two, right? And I'm driving home and thinking, like, okay, what happens if, like, my other pets are dead? I like I I would in this drive home I'm having to make peace with these loss, right? Like what does it mean if yeah. I like my fucking cat's dead? So my cat who ended up dying a few weeks later, but I'm like, okay, he didn't die from going I kept thinking he was gonna die from going to the vet, but now he's gonna die in this fucking house fire, you know? I'm like, my computer, oh god, all my work is gonna be gone. Right? Yeah. So on this drive home I'm making peace with like, well, if I come home and I'm fucking homeless and all my artwork is gone and all my pets are gone, I, like, I have to, like, in a sense, I have to be okay with it. I have to prepare myself for that reality. Yeah. But we're very lucky. The fire department got here, like, super fucking quick, took care of it. There was very, like, they were, they were so fast that there was only some damage in the kitchen, but, like, that's it. And, um... So my office never got touched. But then, a week later, the hard drive crashes. The thing that I'm like, oh, shit, all this, I'm going to lose it in the fire. I didn't lose it in the fire. But then the fucking machine dies. Yeah. My cat, that I was like, oh, the cat's going to die in the fire. The cat didn't die in the fire. The cat died of fucking cancer. So it was like all these weird sort of series of synchronicities in one fucking week of like, you're going to lose this thing. Oh, no, just kidding. It's fine. No, you're gonna lose this thing. No, it's fine. No, you're gonna lose this thing. No, it's fine. And then I actually did lose all this stuff. So, I mean, in a weird way, I'm like, a, I'm a little trauma. I'm like a little like traumatized. Like, fuck yeah, that was a lot. But I'm also in a weird way, like, none of it was super shocking. You know what I mean? Like, I kept the experience staggered in such a way that I. Um, yeah, I don't know that it made it like easier to handle. I think, or like I had time to like prepare myself mentally for it. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. is uh, it's um, but so just to say, yeah, I did lose years worth of work. Um, I'm like, but like you know, a lot of it's a lot of it's like already out. You know, like mm. v- videos that were finished and maybe like the the raw forms and you know stuff like that and um there anything that was like unfinished on there like i kind of have say like the suicide king's book like there's a pdf on online you can you know like i rendered that off and put it online so like that's backed up I lost all the like notes and all the artwork for it and things like that. But oh well, I wasn't doing that book anymore anyway. You know, like 
it kind of sucks, but it's also kind of fine. Um, I don't know. There's some like cool artwork and like old like photos and you know like memories and there's stuff that was that I haven't even like figured out like all that I lost on there yet. But ultimately, I'm like, this is fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird. I know that's such a weird thing about sync how by grouping all of these different kinds of lots together, it makes it more sort of necessary to like reflect on them in a, in this sort of poetic way or something like it's like, okay, wow. I'm, I'm thinking about the, the idea of loss in some sort of abstract way. Right. Like, uh, because of how all of these things are grouping together. That's that's really strange. Yeah. Yeah. Well, know. on that note, I'm gonna let you go here. Um yep. it was really good talking to you. Thank you for listening to all my um ideas with this game and stuff and uh just for everything. Um yeah. I really appreciate <laughs> uh chatting with you and um No, oh, this was really nice. Yeah. Had a lot of fun. All right. Well, uh, I so I am going back to work this week. Um, it cool. is official. Everything's reopened. Um, nice. So uh, I don't know what my schedule will be like going ahead in the future, but I would love to, you know, keep chatting. You know, I'll, I'll just sort of keep in touch of like, oh, I, again, I really have no idea what my schedule is going to look like anytime soon, but we'll, I'll kind of sort of keep in touch. Maybe we can chat again. Yes. Yeah. No, I'd love to reopen some of these like video game topics and everything. So, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thank cool. you, man. Have a great night. Okay. Yes. Thank you. You too. Have a nice day. Yeah. Be well. Bye.